Welcome to episode 165 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samples. The line barely moved. I was heading back home from a weekend trip to Toronto last month. I'd been at an amazing conference for speakers and was still on a high from the event. I had met and reconnected with dozens of speakers that I had long admired. Ah, we're moving again. A few more feet down the long roped path, or should I say meters since I'm in Canada. I got to spend an entire day in a 10-person mastermind with high-level speaking professionals giving and getting business advice. The next day, we heard from several professionals about a range of topics, including how to take care of our vocal cords and issues with speaking across the border. Speaking of which, I'm realizing with each passing moment that the time to get through customs was going to take nearly as long as the flight from Toronto to Boston. At the event, I was given an incredible opportunity to share my message with this esteemed group of professional speakers. After the opening welcome remarks, I came on stage to talk about setting intentions and had five attendees join me to demonstrate my croissants versus bagels concept. We've all been to networking events where it feels like everyone else is best friends and no one is making room for you to join their tight circle. Those shoulder to shoulder huddles are the bagels and if just one person in the circle opens up their body language to create space, you guessed it, croissant. It's a simple yet sticky concept, and it really, it's about intention. If you're out at an event, you're not just there for the content, you're there for the connections. Back at the border, I look up and I see someone wandering toward the opening to this elaborate maze. They say the magic word, nexus, and are directed to the outermost lane, which is completely empty. Ah, planning ahead isn't just a good idea when heading to a networking event. If I'd planned ahead and signed up for Global Entry or Nexus, I would have sailed through customs and likely already be back home. Your challenge this week. My book, Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences is on sale right now in honor of the two-year anniversary since the book launch. Get the Kindle version for just $2.99 and read it on any device, including your computer. Or buy the paperback and receive the audiobook at no additional cost. You'll find all the bonus content and the book on sale at croissantsvsbagels.com or if it's easy to remember, robbysamuels.com. This resource will help you plan ahead to make the most of your next conference experience. Oh, and definitely sign up for the TSA Pre if you're traveling domestically or on the off chance you get invited to an event in Canada, get Nexus so you too can sail through customs. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. For today's guest, the joy in real estate sales is forging genuine relationships with her clients. Since 2010, she's worked closely with home buyers and sellers of all stages of life, guiding them to intelligent, winning decisions. She's closed over $100 million in sales in nine years, and 85% of her business is from referrals or repeat clients. I've mentioned more than once on this show how I've had less than stellar encounters with pushy real estate professionals whose marketing strategies can be best described as spray and pray. Their whole focus is giving me their business card and getting mine 
so they can send me spam email. That's why I'm thrilled to interview today's guest because she exemplifies what is possible in real estate when the focus is relationship building and not the sale. Please join me in welcoming Melanie Swayze. Thank you, Robbie. Good to be here. Melanie, thanks so much for joining me for your home office in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, thrilled to have you, as I mentioned. And I want to just dive right in, though. As you know, this is a show about building strong networks, and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about what makes a leader a leader is the ability to listen, to pay attention. Uh, and in, in the way that I think about it and appreciate it best is listen deeply. Um, but I think I actually grew up with leadership skills. I come from a very working class background, first generation American, and I have seven siblings. I am seventh out of eight. Uh, and we have a broad age range among us. So there are clusters of us who took care of the younger ones. And um, so I did that for a younger brother of mine. We were both born here in the U.S. And I just was very responsible since I was about six, seven, eight years old. Um, And so I learned how to do things like balance and checkbook as an eight-year-old and go to the grocery store and uh, pay attention to the, the coupons. You know, I just learned how to be in charge. And so that's what my life is like. And it took me a while to realize that that's what I needed in my professional life as well. But I am somebody who does best when I am in a position of being in charge. And I've learned that the best way to do that is to be able to pay attention and listen. I think it's such a key like, ingredient to good leadership. Because, you you know, even when you know what you want to have happen, you still have to listen to others and hear their feedback, their concerns, or their excitement to, like, bring people together and bring them in. I also really do believe that those early examples of your life, like having to step into to leading or, or taking care of somebody else is like lifelong. I mean, I, at eight years old, eight and a half, nine years old, I started working in a flea market. My, my dad had a booth. And I, that's a pretty young age that I, at first, my dad didn't even want to hire, you know, I wasn't on the books, but he walked away to go to the bathroom and came back and saw me upselling. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I had learned by watching him how to upsell and I was a cute, precocious child. So I, you know, did really well. Like, you know, adults thought I was adorable and they would stick around just to see the stick and then buy more and more stuff. So, I but I do it. think those early, early like examples like plays out and having, having a big family. I didn't know you came from such a big family. That's yeah. really, that, that in itself can, can shed a lot of light into like, you know, it's sort of like we, we know only child. We, we know what it's like to be the middle child, you know, but seven out of eighth child, we don't have a lot of like <laughs> stories of what that's like. But in this case, it really gave you an opportunity to, to take on caring for other people. And now it feels like that's also part of how you care for your team currently in your workplace, similar like mindset. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And a big thing that I've learned over the years, because I started my business solo and a lot of that was survival strategies, figuring out how to push the frontier constantly. And now my challenge is how to do that as a group. I'm still in charge, but I can't and shouldn't be doing everything. And I don't want to be thinking about everything all the time. I want people's input. I want their pushback. And so I'm learning how to actually push things forward with my mind spread out as a group of people. 
and uh, and that's it's a really interesting balance. I actually would love to hear more about how this all started because you and I met more than 10 years ago. I, I actually don't even know what date or what year, or what circumstance. I feel like you're one of those people. I've been in Boston a long time and you're one of the people I feel like I've known for most of that time. Um, we've had a lot of good friends in common. Yes. And even as those social circles sort of like, you know, when, th- when there are different ways, you know, reason, season, lifetime, somehow you keep showing up in my life, which is actually something I want to get to. Like, okay. you know, in the latter part of this interview, we want to, I want to talk about the relationship strategy piece, but Let's talk about your journey to where you are today. You know, where, how did you land in real estate? And was there a journey to that? Or did you know early on, this is what I want to do? Well, not, did, no, certainly wasn't that I knew early on. Um, I ended up in real estate by accident, which is not typical for my life. I tend to be someone who's very driven and focused and determined. Um, and I always have an agenda. Um, but this one came to me and I'm very grateful for it. I um, joined real estate. I actually met you right probably within my first year of being in the business. Um, I joined real estate because the recession had just begun, which is not a reason actually to join real estate. I joined real estate in spite of the fact that the recession had just begun is what I can say. Um, I was trying to build a business actually at that time connected to the publishing industry. I had a business doing um, editing for scholarly publications and uh, for academics. And I enjoyed it. It was stimulating intellectually, but I was not making a living at it. And I was trying to think about, well, how do I go in-house to some sort of publishing institution, whether it's a magazine or a newspaper. And, but at that same time, the internet was basically taking over publishing and a lot of publishing outfits were downsizing. So that wasn't going to be a good strategy. Um, and I, at a networking lunch, um, I reached out to lots of people I knew, just trying to have conversations to come up with ideas about how I could get from behind my computer and get into a sort of set up uh, situation where I could have a salary. And um, I ended up having lunch with the person who had been my real estate agent years prior. And, you know, I was just telling her where I was at and what I was thinking about. And she started with this idea that I should join real estate. And I really was like, you have got to be kidding. And I said that in very colorful language. I was like, are you kidding me? The recession is beginning. There is no way. There is no way. Um, But we talked about it for a long time. She kept the conversation going for about two or three hours, to be honest. She was really trying to make the pitch. Um, And I went home and I really considered, huh, if I did something like this, what it would mean is that my livelihood hangs on my ability to build relationships, to get out from behind the computer where it was, you know, that was a very solo functioning operation and to know that my success is going to hang on how deeply I can connect with people by walking the streets, having people know me. And I realized that that was actually going to be an important push for me. So just intuitively, I thought, let me try this. And I did. I tried at the you know sort of worst possible time, um, and, I, and I built it from scratch. But once I got into the business, where you don't actually you're not coached on much. I mean, real estate is one of those industries where you can go in with whatever it is you bring with you, whether they're good attributes or not so good attributes. Um, and I came in and realized oh my goodness, I can do this. It pulls on all of my strengths in a way that I certainly would not have mapped out or pictured. My entrepreneurial uh, edge, my ability to make things happen from scratch, my pushiness, uh, my 
decisiveness. There's so much that it pulls from. And even that working class background from my childhood where we were very focused on quality. My father was a tailor and my mother um, managed a house for a very wealthy family. And so I, one of their many houses. And I learned as a very young person about quality, paying attention to quality, making quality decisions. And that's basically what I do all day, you know, and I, I really enjoy it. So I, I didn't map it out, but I'm glad that I arrived here. God, I'm so I'm so kicking myself for not having asked you this question like over the last decade. But I'm also yeah. glad that you're I'm asking you now and we're sharing it because it is interesting yeah. that um it, it is the kind of work that you most people are like, well, I think this is something I can try. You were the opposite. You were actually yeah. stuck behind a desk and used to that sort of solitary environment. And we're looking for it sounds like a stable working environment. That's you know what I mean? You, you were trying to move from from like, I'm just trying to make it happen to just a salary, please, and some like health insurance and a desk. Right. And you and like somehow in that moment, in the middle of like that personal like juncture point, plus the economy just taking a huge dive, you you still like gave it a chance. I mean, there's something about risk taking um, that you, I mean, the fact that you were already an entrepreneur probably says you you have some aptitude to taking on risk, but you also know your strengths and you know where you need to shore up like that, those strengths, like what are the parts that are more challenging for you? So as you got started, I mean, like, first of all, you named a lot of challenges. So I, I want to ask about challenges, but clearly yeah. the economy was one. Real estate's hard because it is all, you know, based on connections and personality and you, you just start from scratch. It's, it's like, it's like if you were a hairdresser that just, sat down and said, I have a chair, like no one would necessarily show up, you know, you build a reputation. So what, as you as it morphed into a business, as opposed to a hustle, yes. which I imagine at first it was a real, just a hour for hour, just get the time in. But when it started to become a business and you had to make that first hire, who was your first hire? Like, what was that role? And how did you realize this is the skill sets that I need to thrive? Like I need to build a team bigger than me. That's a really good question, but it's almost like a, that question is so far down the line from what I established that even caught your attention. A lot of what I did, I really did do myself. And it hustle is the most appropriate word. And I hustled for years. It wasn't short. It was, I had years to be sincere. I had years of working 18 hour days, seven days a week around the clock. And there were months where I didn't have a day off for really weeks. I mean, in fact, there were stretches of months where I hadn't had a day off. So I really, really did hustle hardcore to build this. And it wasn't until about maybe five years in that I made my first attempt or maybe four years in, made my first attempt at hiring someone in sort of part-time capacity. Um, and, and what I can say also is that real estate is so unusual to the extent that whenever over the years, someone has sat down and talked to me and said, Hey, I think I'm, I want to join real estate. I've discouraged them because I actually think it takes, as I described, a certain kind of crazy um, to do this in order to do it well and to do it in a market that's really robust, very competitive and fast paced. Um, so you have to be willing to take a lot of risk um, and there's no map. There's no map for it. And it's not a job. It's the exact opposite of job. So uh, there's no reassurances. There's no support. You have to make it. And so unless you have a hunger for that, it probably isn't a fit for you. It's not about houses. What I do is not 
about houses, <laughs> right? Um, and so I think for me, I got where I probably realized that I needed to get help was where I was, I realized that I was starting to sacrifice quality um, in what I was doing because I was so stretched. And I, I had to find a way to make some, again, risky choices to say, I'm going to find the money. I'm going to find a way to pay someone so that if I want to host this community event where I'm inviting people I know, I'm not running around uh, in the last hour before the event stretched, trying to put up signs and sign people in and greet people and all the things. I could feel the quality dropping and quality is really important to me. So I realized that I needed to make some sacrifices there, but real estate is unusual in that because a lot of people think uh, treat it as a self-employed, which it is a self-employed kind of operation. They're not actually thinking about it as a business. I I've come to think of my operation as a small firm within a firm. Um, but most agents don't. And so there isn't really a roadmap for how do you actually pay someone? How do you structure the work so that they have a set area of work that they're always doing, no matter how much business you're bringing in or not. And so I've had to experiment with that over the years. It's not been easy. I've learned at every juncture. And I think probably at this point, I've tried at some version of an assistant, probably about five times. Um, I don't have an assistant right now. I have um, a person who's closer to a peer to me. Um, she's brilliant. We're partners. Um, and from time to time, we will hire on an assistant as needed. But um, it really is a tricky real estate is so unusual. It's just a tricky balance of getting just enough business to pay everyone. Um, and in order to justify having those people on, you have to make enough business to more than pay each other. You have to be growing the pie. Um, so it's been interesting to try to figure that out year in and year out. Yeah, there's so much that you just shared there. But one of the things that I hear from your story is that real estate... Um, it, it really takes who you already are yes. and just amplifies that. So you were already a community-minded person. Yeah. So the tactics that you're describing, you sort of touched on the fact that you were trying to set up, you know, a community event. Like I've gone to a lot of your events over the years. It yeah. could be at like an art gallery or someone's house, like yeah. just like uh, some sort of social gathering with no pitch, right. like no heavy handedness, right. but just like I'm here Let's all get together and do a thing. And I think that's so cool. And I, but like that tactic is yours because it's who you already were. Yeah. And that's why it works for you. Um, and other people who don't have that sort of as part of their history, they A, would never think to do it. And if they did, they would do it in like a spammy kind of way that <laughs> probably yeah. wouldn't be very effective. So, um, right. so it is interesting how it sort of takes who you are and like, it, I feels like it just takes that to the next level. It shows your colors in a big way. Is that, am I, yeah. I think that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really interesting. I mean, I think there were many things that caught my eye and I, I have, uh, I have used real estate professionals as the example of what not to do for so long yeah. that I felt like I really deserved it deserved like that in defense of the industry, <laughs> I wanted to bring people on particularly you who are doing it in a different way. And, um, but I wanted to just give an example of a typical scene. I can think of two off the top of my head. One, I was at a big industry event 
and someone handed me a card and started pitching me about houses. And I said, oh, I'm not looking to buy. Oh, first time home buyer and launched into that spiel. Yeah. I was just like, no, uh, <laughs> moving on. You know, it's like, really, does that help? Does that work? And then there was another event and uh, Cabby Baker, who's going to be a guest in this show, she was uh, doing a session on networking. So she's like me, a networking expert. And she was doing a talk. So I went to go see her and support her. And so we all listened. And it was 20 or so, 30 people in the room. And in the room was a couple that were real estate professionals. They were working together. And somewhere along the way, like after her talk, he came over to me and we chatted and he gave me his card and I took it, but I didn't give him mine because I have no interest. And he waited until I was in another conversation and there was a little lull in the conversation and he interjected and said, oh, hey, could I get your card? (laughs) I was like, here it goes. So I give him my card. And he sent me a malmerged email that at the top, it had like fields for like name, phone number, website. And I don't have my phone number on my business yeah. card. So it merged no phone with yeah. three question marks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it just cracked me up. Like how, like it was just, there was no tact. Now his wife was very genuine and she and I had a nice conversation and she sent me a lovely follow-up note that yeah, was very... Um, I don't know. It just felt like such different sides of the same coin. Um, he, he then add, she didn't add me to the, I mean, I don't know. There's a joint list, right? So she sent me a nice follow-up. He sent me this like malmerged follow-up that was so clearly like, you know, my car doesn't have a traditional business name. You know what I mean? Like my company, Uh my name. So like, so great to meet you from company, Robbie Samuels. (laughs) Kidding me. And then um, he added him to his list and finally I had to write him and say, I'm, I'm really was never interested. And he got mad at me, you know? <laughs> so it was just like, this is the, what you're dealing with. Like you're surrounded by people who don't get it. So you're in the middle of that. How do you keep out that noise and just keep yeah. doing your thing, knowing your thing's going to work in the end? Like it's such a long-term strategy. Like yeah. I, I'm not in the house. I'm still, this is a decade later. I'm not ready to buy. When I'm ready to buy, I'm going to want to talk to you. Yeah. In fact, when yeah. I was looking to rent, I yeah. wanted to talk to you. Like you and yeah. I had a conversation when I was ready to rent. Yeah. So that's, so, but it's so long-term, like yeah. the sales process and all of this. Right. How do you stay true to that when everyone around you is just like flipping their business cards all over the place and hoping and literally spraying and praying and hoping like something yeah. will happen magically? I mean, there's so much, there's so many aspects to an answer to that question, Robbie. Um, but I think a big part of it is why are you doing this? Why are you in this business? Um, and I think some of what turns people off from that approach to, uh, let's call it relationship building, um, is the salesiness of it. And uh, back when that person who had been my agent um, suggested I join real estate, part of why I actually immediately balked and said no was I said, no, I don't want to be like what I pictured a used car salesperson to be like. I don't want, no, not interested. Right. But that's actually not what I do. I also don't think about myself in relation to the industry. I rarely am thinking of myself as part of an industry. You know, I am part of a brokerage, a locally independently owned brokerage that I really respect. I love my managing broker. I love my colleagues around me, but I'm also their competitors. We're all self-employed. We're all competing for business. And 
the way I do my business is very different from my colleagues around me. And I'm perfectly fine and comfortable with that. Like the way that I do this needs to be worth my while and worth my time. And basically, fundamentally, what I am is a discerner. I just discern things. I pay attention. I ask questions. I look for the difference. And I look for how I can make a difference. And I look for what matters to me. So what matters to me is how well I spend my time. And um, I always knew in starting this business that I was going to be wanting to plug in in ways that felt worthwhile to me and worthwhile to my time. And what's worthwhile to me is giving people really intelligent information and having them think. So what I enjoy doing is helping people think. And I'm very comfortable with sales in that I'm I'm comfortable in compelling people. I'm comfortable in getting people on board. I'm comfortable in helping people wrap their mind about around something and feel actually enthralled, right? So enthralled with me and how I work, enthralled with the way that we're working together, enthralled with their prospects. That's what I want. I want to get your mind to a place where you're like young, you're, you're really excited. You're really clear. You feel really confident. You feel really empowered. That's what's interesting to me and worth my time. So I'm really actually only interested in working with people who want that kind of connection. And so I knew from the beginning that I was gonna, it was going to take a while before I could get selective because I really was hustling. But I wanted to get to where I could actually be choosy about the clients I work with. And so over time, the way I get business and the way I work at attracting business has filtered out people who might match what you just described about like, just handing out the card. There are also consumers in the marketplace who work just like that, who are like, I want to go see a house. Can we go see this house? Or um, I just had this idea. Can you, can you come and write an offer for me? I, I, don't, I don't operate like that. I just don't. I'm not transactional. I'm the opposite of it. I'm in charge. I lead the conversation. And so that's part of what people have come to trust over time is that I'm actually not following them. I actually know how much I know. And so I want to invite them. I want to beckon them to come in and benefit from that, to steep in that, if they have that bandwidth, that attention, that interest. And if they do, we're a really good match, right? So that's what I'm like when I network. I am not interested in talking to everybody in the room. I'm interested in sizing up the entire room. I'm looking, I'm looking at clusters of people, how they're talking with each other. I'm looking at who might be interesting for me to talk to. I look at who I might feel intimidated to talk to. And I, I tactically work my way through the room. I can tell pretty quickly with, with a conversation whether I'm going to want to know this person further. If I'm not interested, I might back away. And it's actually a tool I learned from you at an early workshop where I first met you, how to literally just step back and I might introduce them to someone else that I just talked to and I walk away and I move on to the next, right? But I've actually built long-term, long-lasting relationships with clients who I met at networking events. And over the years, I've worked with several of their friends and generations of those people's friends. In fact, we just threw a party last week for a friend of mine who no longer lives in town, but she was coming in town and we knew that. And we threw her a party so that her other friends in town could come see her. She's somebody who sent us so much business. We just wanted to like throw her a party, right? Like that's what we do. It's just, it's genuine. And so when she and I first met at a a Wonder Women of Boston, networking event, actually, right? Um, There was a spark in the conversation. I knew I wanted to talk to her further. And what I said was, let's get together for tea. So that's my thing. I I rarely ask for someone's card. I say, let's get together for tea. And what that means is we're going to make a date. 
we're going to exchange some kind of contact information so that we're talking and setting a date. We either set the date there or we email or call to set the date. And then I take it upon myself personally to track down their mailing information, whether it's their office or their house. And I send them something personal in the mail that I've written myself. And that's how the relationship begins. God, okay. That last piece is so rich. Um, I'm so glad you did a shout out to Wonder Woman of Boston. I know a great resource here in town. Um, And another person like Jean is great. Um, Yeah. Have Jean Desaro yeah. on and the show. I met you where I met you. You were doing an art of the schmooze uh, workshop at a Wonder Women of Boston event. That's where we met. That's my where we met. Wonder, it was my first Wonder Women of Boston event, and it happened to be a workshop that you were giving. And I was That's like, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And what a great space. I've actually stayed in touch with quite a few people over the years who I realized, you know, I forget at first, like this is where we connected initially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thinking about um, what you just said about that initial connection point, I think it's a piece that people really stumble over. And I want to sort of like dissect that a little bit. Um, you're not looking for the quick hit or the quick sale. You're, you're like, if there's a spark of interest, then you want to nurture it. And yes. you're inviting them to meet up with you for tea, which is in itself kind of different than coffee. And it, yeah. it stands, people go, oh, Oh, she might actually mean this. Like it's kind of funny how a slight change of words, sure. people know the intention, but this sounds like you you authentically are saying, no, genuinely, I want to do this. Um, and you you make either make a plan or you you follow up to make a plan. Um, but what we're really trying to do is establish a relationship. Absolutely. By giving of your time, by saying even a suggestion that you would like to give of your time, you are saying, I would like to to establish some sort of connection beyond having met you and got your business card. So you're not even aiming for that. And that you do a little research to find an address, a physical mailing address, and you send them off a personal note that like I assume is handwritten. Yes, on my stationery. On your stationery, which is so rare. I mean, old school is the way to go to stand out in this like Facebook world. (laughs) Yeah. And it and the fact that they they, you know, it's like, oh right. And then so so they get that, plus they have a nice conversation with you again. And that, what a great way to initially kick things off. And again, even in that moment, you're not like, let's meet because I'm going to sell you something. You're like, let's meet because you're an interesting person. Yeah. I want to learn about what their lives are like. I want to learn about their lives, what they're excited about in their work, their professional life, their creative life, their family life. And I want to know who we might know in common. I want to know who I might want to introduce them to. What I do is connect people too. You know, that's part of it. And so I... I want to know you deeply. And I think that's, that's part of what I'm bringing when I talk about old school is a good phrase. It's an old school way of being an entrepreneur of building relationships where it's like, I know your business. I want to be all up in your business. I want to know you. And that's how you get to trust me. It's because I'm the person who knows you, you know? Um, and I, and, and so in doing that, it's genuine and it's real and it steeps in people that they know me. So I become top of mind. There are lots of other layers that I have to do and I need the bandwidth and I need the support on my team to do, which is to have them on various email lists of mine and to be receiving 
um, see hits from me on social media, various platforms. Those things are part of it, but it actually starts with a very personal connection and the others are extensions of that. They're layers so that they actually feel like they see me all the time. And it, it happens all the time with clients or I, and the other thing I'll say is a distinction because I just found myself using the word. I treat all of these people as my clients. So if I've just met you, I'm treating you as a client. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to do a transaction with you. It means that I'm serving you. So I want to understand you. I want to understand what's important to you, what you care about, who you care about, what you want to know. And to the extent that I can answer or serve any of those things, that's what I'm interested in doing. And so when it gets to the point that I'm reaching out in various different ways, people will then say to me, I'll run into them on the streets and they'll tell me what I've been up to because <laughs> they're, they're seeing posts or they're getting emails and they feel like they are up to date with me. Right. That's but awesome. I also have to take it to a further level. And I might from time to time throughout the year, reach out to them and invite them for a meal, or I might invite them to a party, or I might host an event that they're going to get a personal invitation to. Um, so there are all these touches and layers of touches based on how, how badly I want to know you. Basically. Right. I want to know <laughs> then how you manage all of this, because it sounds yeah, incredible in theory. And, um, I've, yeah. I've had a lot of successful people on this show when I ask them, like, you know, how do you nurture and sustain not the like innermost, you know, circle of friends with like the second and third layers out, they go, yeah. oh yeah, I should probably do a little better job with that. Right. <laughs> but I have a feeling that for you, there are some systems in place. So like what tools or habits are you, ha- are you having in place like to, to make that happen? Not just when I think of somebody, but like. Right more more regular and steady lots of layers i will say one that it's not optimal it's 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 never been where i want it to be um but one thing that i do that's fundamentally different probably and what just even the way you ask the question is i do have my a group i have really what i have is like an a plus group it's the people who are always referring they're always in touch whenever we see each other or bump into each other or talk to each other on the phone, whatever, they're asking me how's business. Those are the people who are the A plus, right? But actually, I want to treat most people like they're an A. So even if they aren't there yet, even if they haven't referred business to me yet, I want to treat them as if they have. So that's part of it is I'm already paying attention to people in a way that makes them understand that they matter. So I'm, I'm coaching them. I'm nurturing them on thinking of me. For me, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to get them to do business with me. Although that happens, you know, 85% of my business is people who already know me or who, who either worked with me before or who are referred to me by someone um, who knows me or who know me themselves. Right. Uh, but what I want is for them to send business to me. And I make that very clear. I'm explicit about it, but I'm warm about it. So I say it all the time, even starting with that first handwritten note, I have a sticker on the back that says, I'm always here to help with your referral. That's it's, it's always in the messaging, right? Um, so I'm, I'm reminding them, I'm encouraging them, and I'm treating everybody like an A, unless they're already an A+. Plus. If they're a B, they're a reach. There's somebody who, for some reason, I'm not actually ready to get them to know them well, but I think down the line, that could change for some reason. But for the most people, I treat them like an A person. I pay attention. Yeah, I mean, there's a way in which you're trying to offer value in all these little micro ways yeah. Yeah. to all these different relationships. Yeah. Um, so I have this analogy 
uh, about, I, you know, to me, this, I think this is the philosophy of abundance. Yes. Like if you become known as the kind of person who gives rides to the airport one day, you'll need a ride and you'll get yeah. one. The really interesting part is you'll likely get a ride from someone you didn't even drive. Totally. Just Absolutely. you'll get a ride from someone who knows of you as the kind of person who always helps others. So they then want to help you. So I feel like that's who you are. Like you're a person who pays attention, listens, nurtures, supports, encourages, adds value in micro ways. And when somebody can then help you, whether they ever benefited directly or not, they want to. I mean, like so eager. Oh my God. I get, when I get referrals, they are like, enthusiastic referrals people write me and they're like i am told i must speak with you it, it's 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 just it's unequivocal it's not like oh i got your name on a list of among a list of other people it's like no it was like a religious thing i was at a party and a cluster of people were like you have to talk to melanie i'll run into people who are like oh yeah i heard about you at a party you know what i mean it's and so that's huge it's humbling but it is a result of all of these years of all the layers and no at this point i absolutely can't do it all myself so that's why i have a marketing manager right and even you know she has a very uh detailed multi-layered editorial calendar that we actually have a very hard time keeping on top of we have a hard time doing as much as we want to do that's important because everything we've talked about so far robbie we haven't actually talked about doing actual advising in transactions, right? There's that. That takes a lot. You're getting your sellers ready for market. You're marketing the property once it's on market. You're doing storytelling about the team and what the value you bring by marketing that property, right? You're working with buyers. You're coaching them along. They're wrapping up their transaction. You're asking them for testimonials. You're asking them for reviews. You're offering to throw them a house party. You're in it's like all of these layers. I mean, it's a lot, and, and it's it's challenging, very challenging to keep on top of it. So, depending on where we are in the season, high season, and so slightly quieter parts of the year, we're prioritizing. Okay, what can we just get on top of? What, what can we push forward? You know, there's mailers that need to go out. There's party invitations that need to go out. There's, we just sold this. I mean, you have to do that stuff. Right. Um, There's the business of the business. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my God. God. So what we've gotten to basically at this point is my key roles are, is to think about the big picture um, and to throw out ideas. And Kelsey's role is to figure out how we're going to actually execute these ideas. But I throw out ideas. I advise clients and I spend time with people. I just build relationships. I'm having dinners. I'm going to birthday parties. I'm sending gifts. I'm sending graduation gifts and birthday gifts and thank you gifts. And I am hanging out. I'm showing up where it matters for people. And I'm advising them and their friends. I'm giving out advice whether someone's going to do business with me or not. I'm also discouraging people from doing business if I don't think they should. I'm just being very honest. And I'm basically doing what comes very easy to me. And that's part of what I'm grateful for about this business that I would not have known to choose for myself is I actually flourish by doing what comes most naturally and relaxedly to me, which is to be very matter of fact. I'm very honest. I'm very direct. I'm very decisive. I'm very caring. I'm focused on the bottom line. I'm very aggressive, but I do it in a way that's about the big picture and the long term. So anytime someone comes to me and has this question about either buying or selling, I'm asking them, what are the implications for two years, five years, 10 years? Why are you doing this now? Why are you thinking about this? So for me, that's fun. I do the advising. 
I do the big picture for the business. I do the big picture for the client and I hang out with people. And that all of that takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. A lot of time. Yeah. And there's, um, there's so much and open houses and all. That. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot oh. about people and personalities. There's one thing you said, I don't want to like skip over, which is, sure. um, you were saying that even from the very beginning, you're asking for referrals. Um, after it happened, after someone sells their home, uh, you're asking for testimonials. And I have to just point out that a lot of business owners fail at those two things. They fail to ask for referrals and they fail it's to ask for testimonials. It's hard to stay on top of. Everyone is busy. You know, at this yeah. point, we have an email that's set up that has links where people have options for how to do it. You can fill out this form to write a direct review to us. You can click on this link and communicate on Google, you can communicate on Zillow, you can communicate on Facebook. We make it, we try to make it as easy as we can and not daunting for people. So if you're not connected to any of those networks, here, you can fill out this form and we'll get it, you know? Um, But that email actually needs a reminder on it to kick back to my inbox because often people don't fill it out. They want to, but they're busy. They're overwhelmed. Well, yeah, they're in the middle of moving. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 or they feel intimidated because they want it to matter and they want to say a meaningful thing. So they Uh put it off. So then I have to remind them, right? So I've gotten to where I set an alarm or not an alarm, but a a reminder that if a a message hasn't been responded to, it comes back to the top of my inbox and I send another note, maybe two weeks later, Hey, just wanted to remind you, you know, and it can feel awkward. And that's why people don't do it because it's not easy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah fault people for not doing a lot of the things that we're describing because they honestly aren't comfortable or easy to do. (laughs) But the payoff is huge. I mean, I really, um, even inviting them to, to do the testimonial is another level of engagement and they feel even closer to you so that it's easier for them to make a referral in the future because they already gave you a testimonial. So it's like, it's sort of like this cycle that you have to jump into at some point and just keep doing Yes. Um, and obviously there is a way in which, like we talked about, it was a hustle. Now you're trying to have some systems in place. You have a team, you know, you, you know what your skills are. That's a really important lesson here too. You're super clear on like what your value and strengths are to this and where others can sort of jump in and make it even better. And that's another thing that people often are a little short-sighted about. Either they think they can do everything or they get disheartened by the things that don't work well. It feels big. And I think one of the things that um, applies, it's almost like a spiritual message um, for any kind of work that you're doing is to do the smallest thing because we'll see the mountain of things that could happen, the possibilities of, oh, I want to make sure that I send out this kind of, I'm going to have this sort of testimonial campaign. We're going to follow up after we get the testimonial and do this. And it's a lot to do. But if you break it up into very small parts and say, I'm just going to do this one thing, and feel good about having done that one thing. Once we get really good at doing that one thing and we learn, oh, certain clients aren't going to go beyond that one thing. We're only going to do the one thing, certain kind of client. But then there's going to be another kind of client where we just intuitively can tell they're going to want to go to extra step. So like this person, we're going to do a photo shoot with them when they move in. And that's going to be actually a marketing story for us. And we're going to give the, uh, photos to them as a gift. Right. That's a, but that's not everybody. Right. So we, we make it digestible for us. Like there's certain things that we know are always going to be plug and play. And there's other things where we're looking for the opportunity. We're looking for the way in. We're looking for a way to do something that's very custom. So a lot of what we do is very um, 
it's specific to the situation. It's nuanced. And that's what's fun. So we have enough of operational things set up that we can actually play around and riff and um, be custom. And, and that's with everything we do, whether we're positioning property on market um, or the way I'm writing an offer for a buyer. Like it's very much about that person and their circumstance because we have things so systematized, then I can riff and that's fun. I enjoy, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. About that person, what makes a difference for them? Well, we're getting to the the end of this conversation. I'm thrilled that I actually do get to talk to you all the time. Um, This is my favorite question, actually. It's it's that if we were were getting together a year from now, and we were celebrating all of your successes in the previous year, what are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Well, thanks for asking. 2020 marks my 10-year anniversary. Uh, in the business. And so what we really want to do, and I feel like already we're behind the ball on the planning we want to do for next year, but we will have done a full year starting in January of a campaign for 2020 and celebrating that decade uh, with parties, with small gatherings, with mailers, uh, with media touches, um, media interviews. And I will have felt like Actually, we really broadcasted really well what our brand is and what our success is. At this point, people in our community actually tell us what our brand is. We've done so well that my people tell me what it is I do, and they articulate it well. And so now what I want to get is people who don't know me picking up on that. And so we want to use year 10 to take us to another level in that kind of exposure. Wow. I can't wait to celebrate all of that with you. So... um Melanie, how can people find you and follow your work? Oh, very easy. You can visit us on online at our website, goodbostonliving.com. And you can also find Good Boston Living on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. We'll have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I really appreciate it. As do I. Thank you, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Melanie. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 165. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as over 150 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that my book, Croissants vs. Bagels, is on sale this week. You'll find all the bonus content and the book on sale at croissantsvsbagels.com or robbysamuels.com. Have you already read it? The book has nearly 200 reviews on Amazon. If you're one of those reviewers, thank you. If not, would you write a review? Writing an Amazon review is as easy as answering any of these questions. What did you enjoy most about the book? What is your most valuable takeaway or insight? What have you done differently or what will you do differently because of what you read? And to whom would you recommend this book? Seriously, just two or three sentences would be amazing. Your feedback helps get this book into the hands of those who need it most. I look forward to hearing what resonated with you. If you enjoy this episode with Melanie, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another town professional about their untold stories of leadership, 
and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming a successful leader. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.